we were hitting and, you know, hitting, hitting and being hit. Um, and we were, you know, women and we were getting older. So I moved into karate, not because I didn't want to get hit, but because um, it's, it was, it's a different art form. And I really loved the discipline, the tradition, and the beauty of moving, um, you know, the beauty of the movements when you do the katas. And for me, it was like storytelling, but with my body. Welcome to Part-Time Athletes, a podcast that interviews everyday people about their fitness journeys. That was Mary Mendez Rizzo. She's a karate instructor who's been practicing for about 20 years, and she also recently got certified as a yoga instructor. She's going to talk to us today about mostly her karate journey, but also a little bit about her yoga journey. Before we get started, I just have to do the quick disclaimer. If you choose to apply any advice or opinions from this podcast or its guests to your own life or anyone else's, you do so at your own risk. Okay. Now that that's out of the way, let's get started, athletes. When I saw your post about doing karate and yoga, I was like, that sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't talked to anybody that does karate yet. so <laughs> Awesome. I'm glad I could be the one, and I'm glad I'm a female, you know, sort of representing the sport as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> I went to your dojo's website and I saw that you were the only female teacher too. Yes, yes, I'm the only female instructor. Um, there are other women who work out um, with us, so there are other female students, which I'm so happy for. Um, but I've been consistently there for about 15 years. And, um, you know, there have been other women who have come and gone. So when I started, there was a woman there um, who had attended for several years with her sons. And she got up to the rank of brown belt. And so she was the highest ranking at that time uh, female. Um, but, you know, life happens. And I think as women, we often, um, you know, make the sacrifices that we need to make for everyone else. So, you know, we have the responsibility sometimes of being the only person working parent in the house or, you know, just wanting to be sure that our children get all the opportunities that they can with their sports and their friends and their involvements and their school. And so I think, you know, when I think back on a lot of the women that have come in and out of our dojo, you know, that's the theme. And that's happened for me as well. You know, there have been times when I couldn't do whatever because I needed to be, you know, the, the classroom mom at the time or I was working late. And I think for me anyway, and for, you know, for lots of people, it's just a matter of navigating that. I really like how moving my body makes me feel. And I think it also just makes me a better person to be around. So if I'm not moving my body in some way, walking, karate, yoga, 
I think everyone around me sort of feels sort of feels that like, hey, yo, when are you gonna go out and exercise? <laughs> so, how did you get started in karate? So, it's been, um, gosh, can I get like ethereal here? Um, I feel like I've always, always, always just had this rebellious sort of warrior spirit in me. And as far back as I can remember, I always um, want, <laughs> it sounds so weird, I always wanted to fight. I always wanted to be incredibly active. And um, I'm, I'm Puerto Rican, and I grew up in a household where, like, my parents came right from the island to the United States. And so there was very sort of typical gender roles. There were things that were okay for boys to do, things that were that girls were supposed to do, and things for both genders to just not do. And so being a rough and tumble girl was something that was discouraged. It was, you know, that's just not what girls do. Girls don't climb trees. Girls don't play kickball with the boys or football. And certainly girls don't go to karate. Um, and so I just always had it in my head that if I ever had the opportunity um, to do it, that I was just going to do it. So my my karate journey or, you know, my fight, I call it my fight journey, my warrior journey, um, started about, I'm 49, so it started about 20 years ago when, you know, I was a, I was a mom, I had two kids, I had a house, husband lived, you know, you know, just the typical sort of life. Everyone worked and went to school and did their thing. And um, I got a notification from our local police department that a registered sex offender had moved two doors down from where our house was. And I freaked out. I started calling the police department, the area community offices of the police department. I started calling community leaders. I was like, how can this possibly be? Who is this person? How would they let somebody like this live in a neighborhood like ours? And after multiple calls, I got connected with the gentleman who oversees the reporting for all the sex offenders in the county. And he just sat quietly and let me rant. And then he said, I want you to know I hear everything that you're saying, um, but these people have to live somewhere. And what I think is behind all of your emotion is that if you had to really engage and protect yourself, you might not feel comfortable doing that. He just stopped me in my, in my rant, in my line of thinking, because I realized that I, all of that emotion was driven by like this, what would I do fear? What would I do? What would I possibly do? Like that's such a scary scenario to think about. And I think oftentimes we don't think about it and we avoid it. But here I was faced with a, what would I do? And I couldn't avoid it because it was two doors down. So um, 
he at the time was running a woman's self-defense workshop. It was a five-week workshop, and um, it was women's self-defense, but it was based on a martial art form called Krav Panin El Panin, which is like a derivative of Krav Maga. So it's very efficient. It's very quick. It's very self-defense-y. And I took the workshop, and I think within the first couple minutes of the first day, I was hooked. I said to myself, I never want to stop learning this. It just felt so intuitive for me. Um, so I kept doing it. After the five-week workshop, I, you know, invested in all of the, you know, the pads, the gloves, the shin guards. I invested in everything that I needed so that I could not only learn this, this art, but really practice it. Like I wanted to, you know, I bought all the pads so that I could be hit and so that I could hit. <laughs> it sounds so weird to say it that way, but it's true. <laughs> and what was awesome about it is that my sister joined with me. And so, um, and several of the women that were part of that five-week introductory thing stayed. So we had an awesome community of women learning from a man who, whose life work was to watch and monitor uh, sexual predators. So we felt like we had just this great insight into you know the experiences the stories that he had heard the you know plus some women were there with their own experiences and so it was such an awesome community and we supported and trained with each other for a couple of years doing that and it was awesome to be able to do that with my sister and um so I loved that. I still do, but eventually just felt like that art form was, um, it was, you know, it was a little hard. It was, we were hitting and, you know, hitting, hitting and being hit. Um, and we were, you know, women and we were getting older. So I moved into karate, not because I didn't want to get hit, but because um, it's, it was, a, it's a different art form. And I really loved the discipline, the tradition, and the beauty of moving, um, you know, the beauty of the movements when you do the katas. And for me, it was like storytelling, but with my body. And uh, so I kept going with karate and still do that as often as I can. So were you active as a kid? Did you play sports in school? So, um, I, I have four brothers and I played with my brothers as often as I could. I did play, um, softball. I started playing softball, softball, you know, baseball and softball is a very Latino thing. Um, and so my, my father at the time, you know, he's passed, but my father enjoyed coming to, to watch and to take me to those things. And so we would talk in the car like, okay, you know, my, I, I just knew that my mother 
wasn't very supportive of me doing these boyish type things. Um, but I did play high, I did play uh, softball in high school, which, you know, didn't preclude me from coming home and still doing the girl things that my mother expected me to do. Um, you know, helping with cooking and cleaning and, and taking care of my um, nephew at the time who lived with us at the time. So I did that. And then I went away to college and there weren't a lot of, well, the women's sports that the college had didn't, you know, appeal to me. So I started playing club sports, sort of like the recreational type sports in college. And I played in a badminton league, which was incredibly fun. And I also played in a women's rugby league, which I had never, didn't know anything about rugby. Wow, uh, rugby's intense. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mind you, um, I'm 5'3 and 105 pounds at the time. And so it was like, rugby? Women's? Club? Okay, I'll give it a try. Like, you know, what do I got to do? Again, I didn't know anything about the rules. I just knew that I wanted to play. Um, and, you know, it seemed footballish. And so I was like, oh, I've played football with my brothers. I could do this. Uh, so, yeah, so I played strong side wing in club rugby. And we traveled around and we played other women's rugby teams in the area. So that was fun. And then, you know, I really dedicated the rest of my college years to just getting good grades and graduating and, you know, focusing on academics and preparing for what I was going to do after college. But I've always enjoyed just moving my body. So after college, you know, I got married, I had my kids, and I always enjoyed playing with my kids as they were growing up too. But it was really the you know, being faced with that, um, you know, that experience of who, who was two doors down. Mind you, I mean, this, I, I, I say this not to scare anybody, but, you know, that was the sex offender that we knew about in our community, you know, so there's, I'm sure, plenty of things that happen that aren't reported. And um, so it was just, um, it was that, I think was really the turning point for me in focusing on martial arts, self-defense, and really wanting to work with women and girls in that area. I love working with women's groups and with girl groups because it is a scary thing to think about. Um, and when I organize workshops, I do try to keep them gender specific because there is power and support and empowerment in being in an all-woman, all-girl environment, sharing these stories and then practicing. You know, I've done workshops with moms and daughters. And, you know, I always tell the moms or the women who bring their, their girl groups, I've done Girl Scout groups, this is great and I love it and we're going to have fun. But it, we also talk about, you know, scenarios where we need to, where we may need to call on these skills. And, I, and, and the women are always appreciative of it. They're like, yep, you know, I don't know a woman who hasn't thought about it, but it's not necessarily, you know, the conversations that we're having in an age-appropriate way 
with our daughters. So yeah, it's, um, this is awesome. And, you know, mind you, I've always liked yoga too, but I just never called it yoga. I would just, on my own, stretch and breathe. And I loved the way that I felt afterwards. And it wasn't until I was much older. Um, actually, it was when I was in college. I took a yoga class and I'm like, this is awesome. This is something that I do whenever I can find time to do it. And, you know, that instructor was great about bringing in like the yogi philosophy into what we were doing as well, which is, you know, just being a good person. So that was always very intuitive for me too. And did you practice yoga consistently since college or was it kind of uh, like every so often thing? Yeah, it was, um, it was an every so often thing. And, you know, what I was doing, I never really called yoga. Um, I studied psychology when I was in college, so I knew about, you know, just mindfulness and wellness. Um, and so I just knew that there were days when, like, I just need to be by myself for about an hour, breathe deeply, move my body in a way that feels like it wants to be moved. Um, and so it wasn't really until I got to college where I was like, oh, it's yoga that I've been doing my whole life. Um, and so then, you know, even after that, it was just a continuation of, except I called it yoga. And then, you know, I'd pick up a yoga class here or there, but it was, it was really just something that I did on my own until I found um, Yoga Blue Fitness and, and the, uh, the program that they were offering the intensive program that they were offering online. Yeah. So what motivated you to do the teacher training? Was it to deepen your practice or you think you're going to incorporate teaching yoga um, with the karate? All, all of that. So I want to say for a good uh, maybe five years, my karate instructors, my karate family um, they would see that the way that I would stretch and I would just say, you know, I'm, I'm no, I'm no yoga instructor, but this is what I do. And so I would often lead them in what I would do. And so, you know, the instructors would always say, Harry, you should definitely become a yoga instructor. Just thinking one, they saw the way that I instructed in karate and thought that it would just be a good match. And, you know, Two, it would be a good way to incorporate something formal into our dojo as well, maybe bring more people in. But yoga teacher training is expensive, yo. And I'm like, that is so cost prohibitive. Like, I've got other things to do with three to $5,000. Um, and so it was just really sort of like this pipe dream until, you know, I saw the, the advertisement, which was way too good to be true and I was like I had to thoroughly research it for a couple Same. Of I was like this can't be real let me just email the yoga alliance there's no way you can actually get certified <laughs> yeah and I like I pulled up the curriculum I'm like oh my gosh this is exactly what it, you know this is what I need and so it really came you know just at a perfect point in my life because um, I'm tra I was transitioning out of an 18-year career in higher education, 
and then COVID hit. And here I am thinking like, okay, any sort of mental health counseling skills that I have, I want to be able to use for the greater good of society because everyone is going crazy right now, you know, with this world pandemic and being in lockdown and people aren't able to move their bodies. And, you know, it was really just sort of this, you know, it it all led up to seeing that Instagram advertisement. I was like, that is what I'm supposed to be doing with my $250 right now. I need to be making this investment because, you know, yoga teacher training with my mental health background with karate is going to help me make the world a better place right now because everyone's going crazy. And, and I don't know, I don't know if you've got a chance to see my website, um, Imperfect Mind Body. So I never thought that I would have my own little business ever in a million years, although it was always an idea that I thought would be great to do. And, you know, when you had mentioned wanting to encourage people to, you know, start their journey, I, I wanted the name of what I was doing to, to reflect that imperfect which is a double entendre because if you just, if you put a, an apostrophe in there after the I, it's I'm perfect. And so it's like, there's no such thing as perfection. And I think, I think a lot of people may not start their fitness journeys because when you look on Instagram or when you look on the internet and you see a yogi, you may not necessarily see yourself. Or when you see a karate person, or when you see a female mixed martial artist, or if you see whatever, name your sport, a, you know, a ski, a skier, a, a, a runner, you may not necessarily see yourself. Um, but everyone starts somewhere. That person's journey started somewhere. and nobody's perfect and something is doing something is better than doing nothing and so I never I I want people to let go of the the weight of perfection and just accept yourself as you are imperfections and all and start your journey start with walking start with you know a 15-minute morning stretch. Start with, you know, tossing a ball with, you know, your kids or your pet. I mean, it's, everyone starts somewhere. And so your journey um, is going to be imperfect and beautiful and exactly what you make it to be. And just keep going. Like, just, just keep doing. Just keep moving. So shifting gears just a little bit, in the 20 years that you've been practicing karate, is there any moment um, where you just felt like extreme success for yourself or like a sense of achievement? Like, I can't believe I've made it this far. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, honestly, it was when I earned my first belt. My first, so you start with the white belt. Everyone's a white belt. And then in our system, you progress, you know, blue and then yellow and then, you know, other colors all the way up to black belt. And um, so presently, I'm second degree black belt just for the longevity that I've had there and for being an instructor and being able to pass on. But honestly, back, 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 back when I started and I had my little white belt for about a year. which, mind you, is uh, so the karate school that I'm affiliated with is a very traditional um, Japanese karate school. They follow traditional Japanese sort of protocols and, and formats. So a lot of karate schools would would never wait that long to promote their students, to give their student a belt, or, or to start putting color colored belts around their waist. Um, which honestly was another thing that drew me to this school because I felt like I really just wanted a a solid education, a solid discipline training in karate. And so I was happy being a white belt and just learning. And I got, you know, the notification that, you know, you're going to be tested in a week and you're going to get your belt. And I was like, really? Like in my mind, I was just like, I'm not ready. So having gone through that first test, which was, you know, quite a good workout and a couple rounds of of sparring, of fighting with other students. And then, you know, the whole sort of pomp and circumstance, the whole tradition around taking off the white belt and having the colored belt put around my waist by the instructor. I felt like, wow, I'm actually doing this. I'm actually doing something that I've been wanting to do since I was seven years old. And that was, that was my big wow, like my biggest accomplishment. So, it, and, which sounds weird to say, right? Because since then I've had multiple, you know, multiple promotion ceremonies, but that one's stands out as like the one that left me with the greatest sense of pride and accomplishment. Um, which was also sort of like this, you know, closing a door on these on these cultural and gender barriers that had been put in front of me my whole life. And so it was like, yep, yep, I'm definitely gonna keep doing this. I think it's so cool that you started around when you were like 29, 30, probably because I'm 29 and I still have so many things I want to try. So I just think it's really inspiring. Like it's never too late. As long as you have the willpower, you can do it. (laughs) Absolutely. It's never too late. And so here, you know, I'm I'm approaching 50 and I'm thinking to myself, what else do I want to do? I mean, there's so many things that I'd still love to try. I'd love to try curling. You know that sport with the rocks on the ice and they're like using the brush. It's like bocce on ice. (laughs) I'd love to try that someday. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so absolutely like, you know, that was another thing. Uh, uh, There there have been times where, 
you know, even that little voice of my, you know, my own internal voice creeps up like, I'm too old for that. No. Nope. Yeah, I'm going to convince my husband to do ballroom dancing someday. Like, I'm just oh, that'd be thinking awesome. of <laughs> what the next thing is. Absolutely. Yeah. So my last question, it's kind of a, I hope it's a fun question. Um, have you seen Cobra Kai, <laughs> the TV show? <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering if you'd yeah. seen it. <laughs> And what did you think? Um, I don't have that many people to talk about the show with, so I was just wondering, as someone that actually practices karate, did you Nothing enjoy it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wait, are you enjoying it? I haven't Too finished it yet, but, yeah, I, it's – I mean, I like <laughs> the original movies, so I, it's – it's such a strange but also interesting show. <laughs> um, the, I love um, I love how it's next generation. I definitely love that. I love how um, they didn't just try to redo the same sort of the, you know the same characters. Um, I love that they're using the same guys and that now they're like older in parent age. And I love, isn't there like a switch too? Isn't the guy that was bad sort of like the good kids teacher and the guy that was good is like teaching someone who wants to use it for a bad skill. All right. So to answer your question, I don't care for the show. <laughs> I kind of thought that might be the case. Just like how, you know, in doctors, they don't like to watch ER, but I was just curious. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And it's so funny because my husband loves it. And he's like, you know, on a binge for a while. And I'm like, dude, please, like, if you want to watch some good karate, just come and just come with me to the dojo. I'll definitely, you know, fight you for a, a minute and we'll have fun. Um, so yeah, I, I can't say that I have been following it, but I have seen it and there are a couple elements that I do like. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I think the the character development is interesting. In yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I was just wondering. <laughs> uh, I couldn't talk to somebody that does karate and not ask. I feel like anyone listening is going to be wondering. <laughs> Um, so is there anything else that you want to mention before we wrap up? You know, I love yoga and I love seeing men in yoga and, um, I love karate and I love seeing women in that. And I don't see them, I, I see them philosophically as very similar art forms, quite honestly. I, um, and maybe it's the traditional Japanese karate philosophy that I'm calling on, but um, that really is all about peace and uh, respect and um, discipline of self and controlling our breath. We do exercises in karate where we control our breath and challenge our body at the same time. And so for me, they're not completely different art forms. They're 
very similar, both very beautiful, both very fluid. Um, and so I love, I love it when I can see, you know, that there are folks who typically are not in one, in one. You know, I, I love seeing women in karate. I love seeing men in yoga. Um, and I think both are really for every body, every body type, every, you know, every, every person that's out there can definitely do both yoga and karate and do it in a way that feels, you know, physically, mentally satisfying and can, you know, use that body movement to, you know, help them center themselves, relieve stress, improve health, mental health and physical health. And, you know, in times when, you know, we're looking at pandemic numbers going up in certain areas and the possibility of being locked down again for the winter, I would just really, really, really want to encourage every person out there. You're not too heavy. You're not too light. You're not too thin. You're not too thick to find a few minutes a day and move in either of those ways. Your body will thank you. Your mind will thank you. And the people that you live around will notice a difference. All right, athletes, that's all the time we have for today's episode. I want to say thanks again to Mary Mendez Rizzo for agreeing to be on the episode and for taking the time to get interviewed. If you want to connect with Mary, you can find her on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Look for Imperfect Mind Body on Instagram and Facebook and imperfectmindbody.com. You can also find her by searching for um, Mendez Rizzo on Instagram or Mary Mendez Rizzo on Facebook. So if you're looking to get some inspiration about moving your body and connecting the mind and breath, go ahead and reach out to Mary. And then I want to say thanks to you, the listener. You're awesome. And I super appreciate you listening to this podcast. And if you want to be on the podcast, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Seriously, I'm always looking for guests. So if there is a sport or activity that you're doing and you want to talk about your personal journey, go ahead and find me. I'm at Brie Outside on Twitter, Instagram, and BrieOutside.com. So that's all for this week, and I hope you tune in next Tuesday for another episode of Part-Time Athletes.